Today, as we look at this scripture, of course, it was related to the people of Israel, but it also relates to us, of course, because today we are God's people. Say amen. Thank God. Uh, God called us to action to do four things in this scripture, and it says this. Uh, Number one, humble yourself with fasting. Number two, pray. Number three, seek his face. Number four, turn from your wicked ways. And Pastor Johnny, I think, will be touching on that uh, next week. And then God's response, he says, if you will do this, if you'll humble yourself, and there's probably no greater way to humble ourselves than through fasting, uh, I pray that you're doing good with this. Last Monday morning, Alice and I got up. We were up in the mountains for a a wedding of my niece, and... uh, I said, Alice, do you know what today is? And uh, she hadn't thought about it yet. I said, today is the day we don't go and eat bacon and uh, eggs for breakfast. Not that I hardly ever eat that anyway, but today is the first day of fasting. So if you haven't joined us, it's an easy fast. It's a Daniel fast. It's no meat, no bread, and no Dessert, all right? No meat, no bread, and no ice cream for you, all right? So anyway, no meat, no bread, no dessert. It's a really easy um, uh, diet or fast. And so uh, some of you are saying, okay, what else is there, all right? Well, there are plenty of things. You're going to get lean and mean and spiritually fit uh, eating salads and eating things that are good for you. And, and so this is not only going to be a good thing for you spiritually, but in 10 or 21 days, you're going to look better, all right? We're going to have a better-looking church in 21 days uh, uh, from last Monday. So I encourage you, get in there and do it. Some of you are fasting a total fast. No food whatsoever for a period of time. And I want to remind you that if you've never done it, on the third, usually the fourth, at least by the fifth, literally the feeling of hunger will seem to go away. And you're never going to experience that unless you fast for that period of time. So sometime in your life, I want to encourage you to do that. So fast it with us, pray with us during this whole period of time. Our country is in a uh, upheaval, and so we need to break through the voices that are speaking the loudest. We need to hear the voice of God. We need to hear what God's Word says, and so today I'm going to challenge you to do that. All right, he will heal our land if we do these things. He will heal our land. What does that mean? Heal our land, our soil? No, of course. It means our, our lives. It means uh, who we are in this place that we live. And uh, let me just ask you, wouldn't it be incredibly wonderful if this weekend everybody in America got saved, born again, You went back to work on Monday. Everybody's in love with Jesus. Your boss says, I'm going to give you a raise. And so, and you're like, praise the Lord. He said, absolutely, amen. All right, so uh, wouldn't that be wonderful 
for everybody in America to get born again, saved, uh, everybody in the prisons, uh, and we can let them out, thank God, and uh, let them live a Christ-filled life. Well, that's what God wants in America. He wants a country that serves him and honors him. May it be so in Jesus' name. Well, today as we talk about prayer, the attitude should be not my will, but thy will be done. So let me give you some scripture on prayer. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, but in everything by prayer. Everything we should pray about, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So we pray about everything. Our nation, uh, we, God help us not to just look and see what's happening in our world, but to pray about it and to ask God to intervene. Then in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, continue earnestly in prayer. Continue in prayer. Don't stop praying after this 21 days is over. Set up a schedule. Set up a time every day in your life so that you go to a place at a time, if at all possible, and spend time in prayer. Say amen, everybody. All right. And then I like this. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. And it says, but, but the end of all things is at what? Hand. The end of all things is at hand. I don't know about you, but I really believe we're living in the last days, all right, before Christ comes back. It may get a whole lot worse, but by the grace and help of God, he's coming to get us, and uh, I rejoice in that very thought of hope for all of us. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Now, stay with me today, all right? Because if we are to pray about everything, we are to pray as believers about everything we do. And one of the things we get to do in this country is we get to vote. And so everybody's talking about it. Today I'm going to share some thoughts with you. So don't say I, I came to hear the word. This is the word, all right? So why do we talk about this? Because everything we do should be as, uh, as much in line with the word of God as it possibly can be. Your finances should be as much in line with the word of God as it can be. Your marriage should be as much in line as it possibly can be. And everything you do and everything you say should be as much in line with the Word of God as possible. And so we can't leave anything out. Now, today, uh, in Acts chapter 17, I'm going to give you a scripture about a people. They're, they were called the Bereans. And the scripture says, uh, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. Now, Paul was on his missionary journey he was traveling from place to place preaching Christ. All the people, almost without exception, 
that he was preaching to had never heard about Jesus. They did not know that a Messiah had been born in Israel and had been crucified and rose from the dead. So this is all new to them. He comes to Thessalonica. He's trying to share with the Jews first. But here in Thessalonica, they reject him. And he leaves and he goes to the Bereans. And so we find him here. And these are more fair-minded, these Bereans, than the Thessalonians or the, Thessalonica, uh, the people from Thessalonica. And these were more fair-minded and they were more noble, one translation says, in that they received the word. They were hearing something they had never heard before. They didn't know if it was true or not. But they were captivated, no doubt, by the passion and the spirit of what Paul preached. And so they received it. They didn't shut themselves off. They didn't say, this is crazy. I'm not going to listen to this. No, they were fair-minded. They opened their heart. And so they searched, the Bible says, they searched the Scripture daily to find out whether these things were so. And so, number one, they were fair-minded. Number two, they searched the Scripture to see if the words Paul preached about Christ were true. In other words, they investigated. They heard something. They didn't know if it was true. They investigated. They sought the Word. They searched the Scripture. And these people, as a result, came to truth. They came to Christ. They were more fair-minded. They were more noble. Folks, uh, this thing is taking over society, taking over our kids' lives. Social media can be a great thing, and then at the same flip side, it can be a detrimental thing. You parents need to know what your kids are watching, reading, and listening to. It's vitally important in your life, in their life. So we are more noble. We don't get on social media and argue and call people names, uh, make all kind of comments that we have no basis of truth in. And when we don't know all the facts, it's hard sometimes to find out all the facts, even about what's happening in America. You got this voice saying one thing. You got another voice saying another. It's like when Alice and I did a marriage counseling years ago. The couple comes in. I didn't know what their problem was, but quickly I was like, okay, they got real problems. Alice, why don't you take her, talk to her? I'm going to talk to him. Now, unfortunately, at that point, that was a long time ago, I didn't fully understand what I'm about to tell you. I'm talking to him, and when you're sitting across from somebody, listening to them, you automatically assume they're not going to lie to you. They're going to tell you the truth, especially a pastor. Who tells a pastor a lie to his face? Well, that guy, that's who. Anyway, and so, no, I'm listening and I believe him because we have a tendency to believe anything anybody says if we don't have evidence that it's not true. Years ago, I used to believe everything that was in the newspaper. How silly was that? All right, so anyway, and uh, it's just as silly to believe everything you hear in the news. It's silly to believe everything you hear is fact. So I listened to this guy, and unfortunately, I believed everything he said. 
Alice, on the other hand, was somewhere else uh, listening to the wife, believing everything she said. They come back together. We're trying to counsel them. Pretty soon I realize I'm, I'm going against Alice. She's on her side. I'm on his. I'm like, we're, we're going back and forth. And finally, they had to counsel us. All right, so anyway, it's just uh, this kind of thing can get really challenging and difficult when, uh, when you, do, you're, you don't know the truth and all these voices are coming at you. It takes the Spirit of God to break through those voices and say, God, I want to hear from you. Now, so let's search. Let's investigate. Let's don't just hear things and say, oh, I believe that. You know, why do we believe what we believe? Even about what's going on in our country. Why do we believe what we believe? Has it been simply because someone that we, have, we don't even know, we don't have a relationship with them, has told us? Well, um, I've looked a lot at the Bible, and I've thought about this kind of thing for a lot of years, um, and I've discovered that God is interested in everything that involves our life. Do you believe that? God is interested in everything. And just like he was with his people in Israel. And so, First um, Samuel chapter 8, I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to quickly tell you the story. Uh, one of the first places where God's people did something governmental-wise that brought great harm to their life. They got into the land of promise. They were there, and Samuel was their judge. Uh, several judges had risen up. They weren't perfect, but Samuel was a godly man, and so he would tell the people and direct them what God was saying. And the life was good. They were prospering, and then unfortunately, they began to turn away from God, and the people came to Samuel, and they said, Samuel, we want a king like all the nations around us. And Samuel said, you don't need a king. You've got God. He will lead you. He's your leader. Well, oh, well, that's fine and good, Samuel. But we want a real king that lives among us. And so God says to Samuel, well, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. But go ahead and give them one. But before you give them a king, Samuel, tell them what's going to happen. And you look it up in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Here's what God said. God said, tell them, Samuel, that the king is going to tax their sheep. The king is going to tax their grain. The king is going to take their kids to serve him. The king is going to take the best of the land and give it to his friends and his servants. The king is going to enrich himself off of the people. So go ahead, tell them if they want a king, that's fine and good, but here's what's going to happen. And when it happens, tell them not to call on me, all right? And so I'm like, when I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, my Lord. God's even concerned about taxes. And I discovered from that chapter that God likes low taxes or no taxes, all right? And so I'm like, whoa, I like no taxes and, and uh, low taxes. So God's concerned about everything that concerns us. Do you believe that? 
He's concerned about it. And so we look at this today, and unfortunately, in the struggle to find truth, uh, you know, because you won't find the direct result of what we're dealing with today. You won't find it in the Word, but you will find principles by which we should live in the Word of God. There is great ignorance in our world today, even though we have access to more information than ever before in history. Uh, recently, somebody did a survey. They said, name one of the Supreme Court justices. You know what one of the top names given was? Judge Judy. That's who was given. <laughs> Judge Judy. And by the way, she's not a Supreme Court justice, all right? So, uh, th these things impact people's lives. How I many of you believe that uh, when you call uh, the police and you've got a need, somebody's breaking into your house, how I many of you want them to come? And you believe that? That impacts your life, all right? And so, there have been a lot of there have been a lot of people even in our church that have suffered as a result of someone doing them wrong. Thank God for the police. And we all know uh, all police, just like all preachers, are not good, all right? We all know that. But just because there are a few bad preachers doesn't mean I want you to accuse me of being a bad preacher, all right? Don't, don't ever, anybody say uh, otherwise. But anyway, so we, we look at these things and we think, does this impact our life? Pastor, uh, politics doesn't belong in the church. Well, dear God, if it doesn't belong in the church, where does it belong, all right? We are God's people. We are to be the salt and light, all right? We are the salt. We are the light, all right? And we're to be the rudder. Literally, God wants the church to be the rudder. That's why he wants us to humble ourselves, to pray, to seek his face, to turn from our wicked ways so that we can direct this country in a godly way and move them toward a godly position. Well, it's uh, not always easy to do. Uh, just a, two or three years ago, I guess it was, there was a man running for Orange County Sheriff. And this man received 40% of the vote in this county. And he was a felon some 10 times over. Now, God forgive him and God help him get saved. But how many of you want a man with that many felons serving as the, the sheriff? For heaven's sake, no. And then he had no experience in law enforcement. Well, got 40% of the vote. Why? Because people, even good people, did not investigate. Uh, they did not inquire. They went in and checked uh, based on something else uh, with uh, um, their, their mind thinking this person's going to be good because of a letter by their name. And as a result, the governor was already set up to uh, take him out of office if he had possibly got elected. And we need to investigate. We need to realize that this kind of thing impacts our lives. So today, God wants us to pray about everything, and that's a good place to say amen. Also, and I, now bear with me. I'm, how many of you love me? I know you do. I love you. And uh, some 30-something years ago, I stood up in this church as pastor, and I said, folks, for my personal conviction, based on how I understand the word, 
I will never, ever vote for anybody that believes that taking the life of the unborn is okay. I'm just never going to do it. But, and I, I have not, I have not changed my mind. Uh, if anything, I become more passionate about it because, because of the innocent life that uh, a woman carries within her. And if you've had, if you've gone through the tragedy of an abortion, uh, listen, God will heal you. That baby's in heaven. And so don't you walk in any condemnation at all. But this is the kind of thing that can bring judgment on a nation, the shedding of innocent blood. And people don't understand it. They've been fed a lie. They've been told it's not really a baby. And they use the word fetus uh, to try to mar the mind and the perception. But God help us to realize, I mean, I'm going to give you a verse, and this is, this is God speaking. And it says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, Before I formed you, Jeremiah, in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Before you were born. I don't, I, when, even before he was conceived, I knew you, Jeremiah. Before you were born, I sanctified you, Jeremiah. I ordained you a prophet to the nations, Jeremiah. A pastor friend called me several years ago and he says, Carl, I mean, what are you doing with all these issues? And what, how are you addressing them? He said, I, I got a friend down here in Miami. I got a friend that works in the inner city. He's a pastor. And he says to me, he said, you know why I don't have a problem with this? It's because you realize how many kids in the inner city, young men grow up, become criminals, and spend their life in jail. And I'm, I'm listening to that, and I'm like, so we're going to play God? We're, we're, we're going to encourage moms to, to get an abortion? Maybe. Maybe some of those kids, uh, God would say about them, before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Maybe some of those kids uh, that unfortunately were, their life was taken from them, maybe some of them would have been a world changer for Jesus Christ. So God help us. And I know that well-meaning people can, can think otherwise. Uh, and yet, I absolutely know that I know that I know God is for life. The devil is for death uh, in any way, shape, or form. And so, if you're talking about finding the will of God, he giveth life and that more abundantly. He doesn't, Jesus didn't say, I came to bring death. No, he said, I came to give life and abundant life at that, I'm going to read you a statement from Mother Teresa. Everybody knows about her. She said, we, we must not be surprised when we hear of murders, killing of, or wars of hatred. If a mother can kill her own child, what is left but for us to kill each other? And a nation that kills its children in the womb has lost its soul. God have mercy on America. Excuse me. The issues that God are important to God is life. I believe maybe the supreme issue that is important to God is life. It is the fact of Israel. God says, if you bless Israel, I'll bless you. 
pray for Jerusalem, he says. So we pray for Jerusalem, the peace of Jerusalem. And so do you realize there are people in high places of office that hate Israel? And so God help us to understand this and, and not attack them, but pray for them. They need God. They need an understanding in their minds that they obviously don't have. They've allowed some element of darkness to come into their minds, and so they think differently. So we do investigate. We're like the Bereans. Don't be like everybody else. We want to be like the Bereans. We want to search the Scripture to know how to live and act, not what somebody's telling us to do that's contrary to the word. Forget culture for a minute. Culture is usually wrong, all right? So you and I don't let culture impact us. Let's let the Bible and the Spirit of God in us impact culture. That is the way it's supposed to be. Now, well, I'm gonna have to hurry. Of course, we're concerned about what's going on. Recently, I read about a student who tried to share Christ on a university campus in Georgia. In Georgia. I could see maybe in one of the, one, another state somewhere, but in Georgia, I like Georgia, all right? So, I like all states, but Georgia's right next to us, and I lived close to it growing up. And he went on a college campus, wanted to share Christ, and they said, oh, no, 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 no. You got to go to this one little spot way over there where there's nobody. And so he goes over there. He's going to be obedient. He goes over there, this little tiny parcel of ground where hardly anybody walks by. And the campus police show up and say, what are you doing? You can't be here. They said, I could be here. Uh, Threaten even to arrest him. They said that his words he was using were fighting words. Now, folks, whether you realize it or not, there is a devil that hates America. There is a devil that, hey, every one of us at times in our own life have maybe yielded to a spirit that was not God's spirit. And people that don't know Christ, people that don't know Christ are controlled by and large by the spirit of darkness. So it is no wonder this kind of stuff comes out. But God help us to have the wisdom and understanding and foresight and insight. Recently, I read where the mayor of New York sent armed forces to break up the Jews who had stepped outside to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, an essential festival celebration to them and to break it up, not going to have it, and threaten to close churches and synagogues permanently. How does this kind of thing happen? How does it happen in America? How can it be in California that there are people in authority and power that have sent marshals to the front doors of a church there, standing there so nobody comes in, and threatening to cut off water and electricity to a church that's doing a great good in the community. A governor who says, you can't only not be in church, you can't even have a Bible study in your home if you want one. Where do these people get this? Why do they think this way? Listen, 
There are many, many Christians that voted for that governor and never crossed their mind how he could get to this place. But if people don't rely on the principles of God's word and they don't try to live by them, there is anything is possible with somebody that doesn't walk with God. In Chicago, Illinois, a pastor of a Romanian church who came from a communist country, Romania, and saw the same thing happen there. Now pastors a church in Chicago. And the mayor said, nope, can't have services. And then when he, he closed down, then he sanitized everything, spent a lot of money. And then they said, you can only have 10 people. Didn't matter if it was a 3,000-seat auditorium. 10 people, all you can have. How is this possible in America? How is it possible? So unfair that casinos, that the Supreme Court would allow casinos to have more people than a church. How is that possible in America? I'll tell you how it's possible. People get into office that are not listening to the word of God. And uh, people that don't know the word and are against the word because they don't have the spirit of God within them. And this pastor tried his best. Start back service, do it safe. The mayor sent police, or tow trucks. They towed every car within nine blocks, parked legally, took them all away, and informed the neighbors they were taking those cars because the church was open. Then the police came at the request of the mayor, blocked their, blocked their parking lot. My God. Sent the sheriff or to his house to give him two disorderly conduct charges. And then finally a letter comes saying, your church is a nuisance. You are in threat of seizure and destroy. Now that was quickly rescinded, thank God. Where do these people come from? And we ask ourselves, that, and, and we say, obviously people voted them into office who did, should have done a, maybe a little more research, a little more praying. Let me tell you this, and I read this recently. I thought this was so good. Christianity. Christianity will survive without America, but America will not survive without Christianity. America will not survive without Christianity. Today, this is not my home. I'm just passing through. My home is heaven. And your home is heaven if you know Christ. But right now it's my temporary home and I want it to be as good as possible for you and for others. I don't want to see people struggle, lose jobs. I don't want to see people go through chaos in their lives and not be able to even go to a church and fellowship and you know, I know this can be a controversial subject, but God help us. The last thing quickly I share with you, what does it mean to seek his face? What does it mean to seek God's face? And that's exactly what we as believers should do. The Hebrew word for face literally means his presence. To be before his face is to be in his presence. When you haven't seen somebody in a long time, you don't call them up and say, I can't wait to see your arms. No. You don't call them up and say, I can't wait to see your legs. Especially 
guys. Anyway, and so it's like, no, we say, I cannot wait to see your face. Your beautiful, wonderful face. Wow. To be in your presence, that's what it means, because when I see your face, I am in your presence. Quick couple verses. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Hebrews eleven six. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Deuteronomy 4, 29, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and all your soul. And then finally, Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, for it is time to seek the Lord. It's time, church. It's time to seek the Lord. Would you bow your heads with us, please? There at the campuses, God bless you. Bow your head. Those of you online, I pray, even for those online, if you don't know Christ, let me tell you what Christ is doing. He's seeking you. Believers should seek the face of God, but before you come to Christ, he sent his Holy Spirit to seek you. There at the campuses, he's seeking you. There in the atrium, here in this auditorium, he is seeking you. So you're sitting there or listening wherever you are, and the voice of God by his Spirit is tugging at your heart. Why? That's why he came. That's why he died. That's why he was rose again. That's why he rose again. So today, what do you say to him? He comes to you. What do you say to him? You say, yes, Lord. Yes. Or do you say, not now? Not now? Is that what we say to God? Not now? Maybe sometime, God. Maybe one day, God, when I have more time. Right now, I'm preoccupied, God. My Lord and my God, I plead with you today because I know what awaits you if you don't turn to Christ. But most important, I know what awaits you if you do. Oh, my God. Never met anybody that said, you know what? I regret I gave my life to Christ. Never met anybody, never will. It's truthful. So across the building and at the campuses, if you need Christ, you're not right with God. Would you right now just slip your hand up? You need God's forgiveness. Yes. Just slip your hand right up, right back down. I want to see it. I want to pray for you. Lift it up high. Yes, 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 yes. God bless you. Anyone else? Quickly, God bless you and you. Why are you doing that? Why are you lifting your hand? I'll tell you why. Because you are brave enough and humble enough to respond to God calling you and speaking to your heart because the Holy Spirit is in this place. 
Anybody else? Anyone else in this building, there at the campuses, online, wherever you are, anyone else? Just lift your hand high. Do it now. Anyone else? Stand with us, please, all over the building. There at the campuses, the pastors are going to pick it up. Pastor John is going to lead us in a chorus. And when he starts to lead us in this chorus, here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to do one more thing. You've already done something. You've raised your hand, or maybe you wanted to but didn't. That's all right. You still have time. You don't have to walk out of this building without forgiveness. You can walk out of this building changed by the power of God. Yesterday, I had the privilege of running into an older man. He was coming in with his wife. He says, Pastor, 40 years ago, I came to Faith Assembly, and David Arnold was the pastor, and I gave my life to Christ. And I said, here you are 40 years later. You're still serving God. What a testimony. What an incredible thing. 40 years later, still serving God. So today, that can be your testimony or 10 years or 20 whatever down the road. But let me challenge you. This morning when Pastor John starts to lead us, don't hesitate, don't wait. Just like you lifted your hand. Slip to that aisle. Make your way to this front. Let's pray together before you leave. You don't have to, you're not going to be down here long. You can stay as long as you like. But you step out and come. And listen, if you have other needs in your life, you need a physical touch in your body or something else going on, feel free. Come to this altar and pray and seek the face of God. Pray, seek the face of God. Pray, seek the face of God. Amen. Lead us, Pastor John, please. Hallelujah. Holy, holy, God Almighty, great I am, who is worthy. Let me challenge you. Slip out and come. Wherever, all over this building. If you raise your hand, you need Christ. Step out and come. Do it now. Slip out from the risers, it's not too far. Make your way to this altar. Let's pray before you leave today. Jesus, my God. Jesus, my God. Jesus, my God. Jesus, my God. Jesus, touch him, Father. Touch him, oh Lord God. Touch him, oh Lord God. Touch him, Father. In the name of Jesus, touch him, Father. Across this building. There are others in this building. You need Christ. You need God. Step out and come. Let's pray together. Jesus, my Lord. 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 God, have mercy, O Lord. There's still time to come to this altar. Pastor John's going to lead us in prayer. You slip your hand in this direction, would you please? Pray for these at this altar. And then you, still, some of you have that tug to come. Feel free to come right now or after this prayer. God bless you.
Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for your presence here right now. And thank you for those that you've drawn to these altars, those that you're drawing to you, Lord God, over our broadcast, those that are listening and watching, Lord God, right now that are saying, Lord, we need you more than anyone or anything. We need you right now. And I thank you, God, for those that are turning to you even for the first time today, that they'll find everything that they need in you, Lord God, life, salvation, deliverance, Lord God, situations turned around. Lord God, we thank you in Jesus' name that you're moving and ministering to these lives. And I pray, Father, that as we leave this time together, Lord, that God, we wouldn't leave your presence, but that, Lord, we would leave with your joy, with your, with your spirit, Lord God, that we would leave with your wisdom, with your direction, Lord God, and that as we face the rest of this week to come, Lord God, that, that you would be with us, ministering to us in every moment, God. We pray that you'll give us tender hearts to hear what you're saying to us, Lord, and to respond with our obedience to you. We love you, Lord God, and we thank you for the victory that we'll walk in in your name as we face this week to come. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We love you so much. If you're watching this morning on a screen somewhere and you want somebody to pray with you, why don't you call the number that's coming on your screen right now? We have a team that's ready to pray with you over anything that you might need prayer for. We love you so much, and we look forward to seeing you again very soon. God bless you all.